Is there a light at the end of the tunnel? Or is there going to be a new virus variation? With all the uncertainties and design of the new normal? We've all been in survival mode for the past year, dissociating to forget realities and overworking to kill boredom. We are no fortune tellers, but things seem to be looking better now. And this includes the job market. I'm Wancha Habibiaza. And I'm Sina Serchin, and this is My, My Career, Career in, in Lockdown. Lockdown. Welcome to the episode, Dr. Charlie Ball. Thank you so much for being here with us today. We are so, so, so privileged to have this conversation with you and hopefully learn as much as we can about the graduate labor market. To start off, could you please introduce yourself in your own words? Hi, I'm Dr. Charlie Ball, and I'm the lead for labor market issues at JISC, the very large and not always terribly well-known sector body um, charged with supporting infrastructure and universities and students and so forth. So uh, I have kind of official role within the higher education system. I am the lead on labor market questions. There is one question that we ask everyone on this podcast. How do you see this year's job market compared to last year's? How is the job market now? Is it still affected by COVID-19? It is way, 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 way better. Um, in fact, I go so far. So I've, I've been in a job for about, around twenty years. This might be the biggest single-year turnaround I've ever seen in the graduate jobs market. That's not to say it's back to normal, whatever normal might look like. But whatever is going to be the status quo post COVID, we don't know exactly what what that will look like. But twenty twenty was awful. Twenty twenty was an awful, awful year to graduate. You know, the only thing worse than graduating in 2020 was leaving education without a degree, which was even worse. This year looks a lot better. It, it might not be quite where an, an ordinary graduate labour market year would be, but it's an awful lot closer. So we, as you know, we're going to be asking you a lot about the future predictions. <laughs> and this is where we start <laughs> in terms of the job prospects, as well as like methods to which jobs applications are done now. Like, how do you think that's going to change in the future? Do you think it's going to be online? Like, what are your thoughts? It's a really interesting question. So one of the major things that happened over the last 15 months yeah, as a consequence of COVID is businesses went through around five to 10 years of business transformation like that in a matter of months. And one of the first things they realized is that going virtual for a lot of their practice was a lot more effective than they realized. So working virtually works a lot better in most cases. I'm, I'm sure we'll get onto this. There are still quite a few issues to iron out and some of them are, are emerging as, as time goes on. But recruitment was one of those areas that worked particularly well or seem to work particularly well for both participants. We know from previous surveys that students and graduates are not desperately keen on virtual interviewing, but they acknowledge that it works and it does have some advantages. You no longer have to travel. You know, you no longer have to travel to London, say, um, without even the guarantee of a job as a business. You no longer have to get together an interview panel and find an interview space, which is actually quite a lot more, having been on the on, on that end of the process, that can be surprisingly awkward. It makes it easier to schedule interviews. There are some aspects of the non-face-to-face interview or the virtual interview that don't quite work as well. But by and large, they're easier to run, cheaper for everybody, candidate and employer, and no less effective than normal interviews. So the Office of National Statistics have recently done a survey. They found that at least a third of employers across the pitch 
um, expect to use more virtual interviewing in the future. And we know that graduate employers are more likely to have used that and more likely to have rated it. I think people need to be prepared for that. Universities are kind of aware and they're doing their best to prep for it. But of course, this has all changed very rapidly for all of us. I did an assignment for my optional business module and I did one article on unemployment in the UK. Yeah. So one question that I had was, do you think that the production of the Bank of England in March that has decreased from November 2020 will happen for the rate of unemployment or will the unemployment rise? What do you think? The whole thing is in flux. It's clear things are not going to be as serious as we we were we thought early last year when the pandemic first hit. There were some quite dire predictions. The major things that have happened is, firstly, the furlough system has been very effective in preserving jobs. And secondly, smaller businesses in particular have proven a lot more resilient, a lot more able to preserve cash, partly because of virtual working, the furlough system. So to put that into perspective, this time last year, a third of all small businesses said they let they have less than three months cash left. But very few have actually subsequently gone bust, even though we have been basically locked down ever since. I think we do need to be mindful that although the jobs market has turned around quite a bit, we're not expecting unemployment at least this year. And in fact, as a consequence of COVID, because it hasn't caused about three quarters of a million people lost their jobs as a consequence of COVID. And um, by the end of last year, and since then, about a quarter of a million of those people have been rehired. So about 550,000 all told, fewer people are in work, which is, a, which is a really big increase in unemployment, but far less serious than we were expecting this time last year. From the graduate's point of view of pure self-interest rather than the social point of view, most of the people, in fact, the very large majority of people who have lost their jobs and the very large number of people who were furloughed are not graduates and they're not in graduate level employment. So in fact, the Bank of England um, and a number of other data, pretty much all the data sources suggest quite strongly that to all intents and purposes, there was no loss of net loss of graduate jobs as a consequence of COVID, and we can get onto why that is. And I know that sounds against what you hear, um, you know, in, in, in popular media, in popular discourse, but actually that labour market probably mildly increased. And it, and it is likely that we've seen the worst of it for graduates, with one exception, one exception, and that is graduates in, I'm afraid, the arts. Um, and the reason is simply that the arts sector is, has been so heavily affected. Arts and media is now the most likely industry to have its staff furloughed. So 20% of the st staff in the arts sector are still furloughed. And that sector, particularly the small business end of that sector, has been hit extremely hard, hasn't had a lot of support, and is going to take a while to recover. You mentioned slightly about industries that are negatively affected, but could you tell yeah. us maybe more industries that are positively affected, just so we can have a little bit of... So, well, I mean... Positively affected, I mean, the only industry that's been, or the only industry that's really been kind of positively affected as such is obviously healthcare. Because funnily enough, uh, whilst last year was a terrible time to get a job for most graduates, it wasn't a particularly difficult time for nurses to get work. Uh, in fact, quite the opposite. Um, and we mustn't, we mustn't forget that um, nursing is the most common subject in the UK. If you're qualifying with any healthcare qualification, you are going into a job market that is very, very hungry for your qualifications. So that's had a, a good time of it. What's probably a better way of putting it is which graduate recruiting industries have fared the best? 
IT, for example, the IT industry has basically weathered the storm because it went virtual very rapidly. Even now, about 80% of IT workers are working solely from home. And so IT businesses found that they could basically get switched their, to their workers going working from home with no loss of productivity, no lot, loss of business. And, and, and most of their clients were also working at home. So, I mean, one of the interesting things is most businesses, and obviously GDP and the, the UK economy, took a nosedive, had an awful year last year. But that doesn't mean everyone did. And I speak quite often to some to businesses, particularly at the graduate end of things, particularly things in IT and professional services, quite big names, to be fair, who on the quiet will admit that last year their profit margins did not get dented. We've seen the, the business services and IT sectors fare pretty well. Education, unsurprisingly, people still needed to go to school. Manufacturing has come back very strongly, which is quite interesting. And there are a lot of very complex reasons behind that, actually. Um, but manufacturing, particularly in 2021, um, particularly high-tech manufacturing, has actually proven remarkably resilient. Part of the reason there is that manufacturing industry had stopped recruiting for some time before the pandemic hit because of concerns about Brexit. Um, and so they've really started recruiting in, in a big way. Brexit issues, I'm not saying they've, they've wound, they've, they're less of an issue, but they're more understood, if you like. They've become more... Businesses have now got more of an idea of what they can do to deal with them. And, and with the best, you know, to be quite candid, the effect of COVID has, has dwarfed anything that Brexit could have caused. And businesses have, there's quite a lot of businesses who've said, well, we've coped with this. We can probably cope with Brexit related issues. And, and the manufacturing industry seems to have collectively come from that. Some industries have fared better than others. But the only one that could have said they would be, have done well, really, is healthcare and the social care. And, and increasingly over the last few over the last few months, as it's become clear, the impact that that section of health and social care that deals with mental health and well-being is also, again, it's div I wouldn't say it's having a good time of it because that's not what it's there for, but its value and the need for those services is becoming more and more important. We all know that the graduate route is opening up this year. How do you see the future of job market for the international students in the UK? That's very, that's a, again, that's a very, very interesting question and very pertinent. The simple fact is that actually we went into the pandemic with shortages of graduates in a lot of crucial disciplines. Now STEM get highlighted a lot, but it's not just STEM. We're short of graduates with general data analysis, good quality data analysis abilities. Any graduate with good communication skills is going to get themselves a hearing with businesses. And it must be, we must stress that a more virtualized environment means a different set of communication skills. So graduates with common skills. We have a massive, because of, because of the rise of the internet, we have a massive demand and, and, our, and, and a national excellence in the area. We have a lot of demand for people who are interested in working in areas related to marketing and PR, particularly if you've got some data handling skills as well. So you can market research and audience figures and user experience and all this kind of thing are all, are all very important. We need to make sure that our industries, and particularly those industries in which the UK has a global reach, remain well-staffed. So on top of not having enough engineers and not having enough healthcare professionals or social care professionals or IT specialists or many of these vital business support roles, it will remain important and necessary for the UK to be able to 
make international students a good offer so they will stay and work in these industries. There are political tides that at present make things more difficult. The visa system puts a burden both on potential employee and employer. The employers are often reluctant to engage with, except uh, where, where they don't feel it's necessary. But the, the simple fact is, it's becoming more necessary for more employers. Okay, the next question is just out of our curiosity. According to your rough estimate, how many graduates uh, do you believe pursue jobs correlated to their degree? And like, what factors might be affecting their prospects, especially now? That's a really interesting question and one that I've engaged with um, an awful lot because actually I'm going to turn this back on you and I'm going to reject the premise of the question because that's that's how I do things. I think one of the competitive advantages of the UK and one of the things that's always terribly well understood is actually Firstly, we train excellent generalists. Yes, we're good at vocational degrees, but actually we, tra- we train excellent excellent generalists in, in, in the UK system. And the reason we do that is because the majority of jobs for graduates in the UK are largely degree blind. For example, what is a suitable job for a mathematician? Am I in a suitable job? My degrees are in chemistry. I would say they are because I was trained to, and as I always say, my PhD is in chemistry and analytical chemistry. Uh, where I where I was trained to produce, analyze, and disseminate complex data, and I think we have quite a narrow view. So if, if we think if somebody's done a journalism degree, they must either be a journalist or have been wasting their time. Whereas I would say you've been trained to communicate, you've been trained to communicate, put across ideas, and influence people, and those are tremendously valuable skills. And, and, and actually highly suitable for a very large range of roles that might not be called journalist. In the end, very few graduates are not doing jobs that where the training they have got in the UK are, uh, uh, is completely irrelevant. So, you know, the multinational, the big multinational, the big global companies like the way that the UK does these things, because if you look at international surveys, they'll always say that UK graduates are amongst the most adaptable. What do you suggest students can do to improve their chances of getting a job? The first thing is don't fret too much. Okay, so we do have, by and large, a very robust graduate labour market in the UK. In a normal year, the very large majority of graduates will get a job, a good quality job, pretty rapidly. Um, within about three to six months of graduating. Now, if you've just graduated and need to pay your rent, six months is a very long time, and we do appreciate that. But in, in, the, con- in the context of a career, if you're graduating at 21, you'll be working for 45 years. So the first thing I'd say is, is don't fret too much. The second thing is don't fixate on, a perfect, on your perfect job because you might not know what it is. I, I entered this career having done chemistry and being an academic and worked in pharmaceutical consultancy in my 30s and it turned out to be the job for me um, and that's that kind of thing is, te- is tremendous i built up a set of skills that made me able to do this if i'd taken this job up when i was in my 20s i would have been nowhere near as good at it don't get fixated that you must get the perfect job right now what's more important is is working with people and in an environment and with a business that broadly fits your values because the difference between being a management consultant for a firm you like working for and the difference between being a management consultant for a firm you don't like and work like working for is massive. But mu- what's much less of a gap is 
being an accountant for a firm you like working for and being a management consultant for a firm you like working for. So prioritize a workplace and, and it, it can be difficult to judge, but you can, you, you know, get if you go on, if you've got a, if you've got your eye on a, on a job or got your eye on a position that you're interested in, drop them a line and say, what do I need to do to get this job? What do you do about X, Y and Z? Students don't do that kind of or applicants in general don't do that kind of thing because they think they're going to be, you know, the HR departments will be inundated with this kind of question. They're not. Nobody asks. You know, when it says get in touch with X to find out more about this job, X might get two emails a week <laughs> if they're lucky. And the two people who send them emails will go straight into the list of, oh, OK, they've got a bit of get up and go about them. Do do your research. Don't be one of those people who sends out 200 identical applications and then say, but I put 200 applications in and didn't get an interview back. No, because we can tell that they're all exactly the same and you haven't actually you know, mass mailing isn't that much effort. So make sure that when you're looking at a job and a role, you do your homework, look at what the business actually does. Like I say, drop them an email, give them a ring, follow them on social media, ask questions of people. They won't mind. If they do mind, they're not worth working for. You know, there is a very wide range of opportunity, a very wide range of opportunities out there. Don't be afraid to take a chance. Don't be afraid to make career mistakes. We all make career mistakes. Everybody makes career mistakes. And it's a lot better to make them at 21 than at 41. It's a lot better to do them when you, when you, don't, when you don't have a mortgage, when you don't have kids, when you don't have a partner. It's a lot easier to do it then. Um, so don't fret too much that you, that you have to make your career take off. In almost all cases, the industry that you're looking for will still be there in five, 10 years time when you've got more experience. And when you've got more experience and bring more to the table and maybe have got a track record in another industry, then you will be more attractive to that business. And you might be able to might, might be able to go in there. And I'll say that particularly to people trying to break into very sought after industries like the arts. Journalism is a, is a very good one. Politics, business and, and, and areas where there are often other routes than the, the standard training scheme. Just be aware that the jobs market is a lot wider and more diverse than you think it is. So that's the thing to, that's the thing to bear in mind. The other thing and the obvious thing, it, but it, it must be stressed, is um, while you're at university, use your career service as much as you possibly can. They're really good at their jobs. They know the local jobs market. Do listen to them. If they say, have you thought about X? Don't just go, mm, I don't want to do X. Actually have a think about X because, as I say, the job you do, and particularly at this stage in your career, is less important than the people you're working for and the business you're working in. And it may well be that it will open up areas of your career, fulfilling career options that you've never even considered. Thank you so much for your time and the insight into the job market. Having you on the podcast has always been a pleasure this year. <laughs> Thank <that> you. Year. <laughs> it's always a pleasure to come on. I personally found that very comforting to just hear like the last bits and how you said, you know, we don't necessarily have to be doing what we're going to be doing in like five years. Yeah. I think it's important to stress yeah. to new to, to, to the would-be graduates is it's absolutely okay not to want, not to know what you want to do for the rest of your life. Got any questions or suggestions? You can send us an email at careers at cardiff.ac.uk. Unfortunately, this week and next, Kat cannot join us, but fear not. We have Mr. Christopher Barnes from Career Advice Service, who will be here this week. So, hi. <laughs> hi. I'm happy to stand in. Chris is absolutely...
fine as well. So yeah, I'm really pleased to be taking Kath's place because that's quite exciting. I know Kath likes to talk about kettlebells. <laughs> that into exercise. If you want to talk about Greg's um, and various chocolate bars, that's more my vibe. Okay. Could you please introduce yourself a little bit more and maybe mention kettlebell just for fun? Yeah, sure. So my name, as you have already said, is Chris Barnes. I am one of the careers advisors in the careers service. I specifically look after the School of Journalism and the School of Social Sciences, and I also take care of careers provision for international students as well. And I don't own a kettlebell, but I'm like, I should add that bit there. Okay, um, and I know we don't want to mention too much of it, <laughs> but how did you personally manage to adjust to the COVID situation when we were at the height of it? I'd love to be one of those people. I don't know if you'd like, there's quite a lot of people coming, now we're on the other side of it going, Oh, well, it was like a really nice time to just sort of sit back, take some time out, reflect. It was really great to just have some time. I wasn't one of those people. It was absolutely horrendous adjusting to sort of the move to working from home. Work-wise, wasn't too bad because I'd been messing around with kind of doing stuff online anyway with Joe Mech doing sort of like webinars and stuff like that. I expect both of you to have been in attendance there. If not, I need reasonably good excuses because they were amazing sessions. But that kind of thing was really good because I'm into technology and stuff. So like the, the work shift was quite good fun. And also because everybody was kind of going through it together, there was that kind of like Dunkirk spirit almost of like, right, let's, let's kind of like get stuck in and figure a way out. So that was fun. But the sort of more kind of personal kind of adjusting to working from home was a real struggle because it was just horrendous. Um, I've got a, a toddler as well. So it wasn't just a case of kind of like setting my laptop on the kitchen table. It was kind of like really sort of like my home life and work life kind of like completely smashed together. So it was kind of like trying to, find a way to make that work but kind of figuring it out now and it's quite a nice routine but having said that really miss being in the office and sort of working with people in an actual room because even though you know we're talking over zoom and stuff and we're making a podcast and it's all very sort of futuristic and star tracky it still doesn't kind of fill that gap of like human interaction so it's like um but overall i think it was a slow process to answer the original question of kind of getting used to that way of working and now it kind of feels normal but it's nice to feel like we're working towards going back in some way to, to normality how about you two how did you find it to begin with I was one of those people who was relieved <laughs> because <laughs> everything was so busy we were um going at like such fast pace so I was kind of glad that things slowed down even though that sounds horrible but after a while I think it did catch up to me and I slowly found myself losing motivation to do the bare minimum and mm. in that way it completely like took away my productivity but now we're slowly hopefully getting back to it even with this podcast it's like helping us move back into you know like a pace of things yeah I think that's that's, that's the biggest thing I think was just that loss of routine there and exactly. you know, having, having those like separation from your house and work or like class and stuff is is definitely something that I miss with that and the other thing which was kind of odd to adjust to as well from a kind of working like the main part of my job like working with students point of view is as careers advisors we're always in that position where you know we've got loads of resources we've got experience if someone comes to us with an issue we've got a good idea of how we can kind of help you overcome that hurdle whereas like with this we hadn't gone through it before we were all kind of in it together so we had students come into us for help and our kind of 
of primary thing is to want to like help you out on your career journey and all that kind of stuff but we, we had like access to the same information as everybody else who's trying to like figure that out and support people as well so almost like the nature of our roles changed slightly as well it was less kind of like giving advice and guidance on career support and it was a lot more almost like sort of like pastoral care sometimes because people were quite sort of like anxious and upset so it was obviously we're not counsellors or anything like that so we'd like pass them on to like the appropriate people but it was a lot more kind of like listening to people's emotional issues and kind of trying to figure out how we can support them and be reassuring as well because it is quite scary living through a worldwide pandemic it really is i was considering postponing my master's for a year but then i decided that studying is the least worst that i can do during the pandemic how, how did you find studying throughout the pandemic as well? So doing it purely online, because I was doing a postgrad course at the same time, and it was really tricky kind of not yeah. interacting with like your class. Yeah, it was, but I had face-to-face sessions two days a week, so I was really lucky in that sense. Oh, nice. Yeah, and it was really useful classes. Even during that there was severe lockdown, we had face-to-face classes. Yeah. But at the same time, I kind of was glad with some of my online classes because I didn't see the use of coming to the university for some of mm. my classes, you know? Um, some of my modules were slightly changed, or at least the assignments yeah. were slightly changed because we obviously had to cater to online learning but mm. it was so it was slightly disappointing knowing that we could have been more involved in our assignment yeah. but we we just had to do essays which was a little disappointing love a good essay <laughs> yes <laughs> love now it. i don't have to write anymore hopefully mm. <laughs> there is one question that we ask everyone and how can you compare this year's situation with last year's oh that's uh, that could take up an entire podcast on its own, couldn't it? This year seem, definitely feels like a lot more hopeful. And I don't know if you'd agree, but almost a bit more normal or pre-pandemic-ish normal. So I, I definitely think that it's like we're moving positively towards getting back to some kind of version of normal. And from like a jobs point of view as well. But I think generally what we are trying to see is last year, because it, it just like hit us like a bomb almost. And we're kind of like trying to scramble to recover from it. Uh, a lot of companies and businesses, what we're seeing now, they're kind of learning to live with COVID and social distancing and the restrictions and stuff. So they're trying to figure out how they can work and move forward within those limitations. So rather than just being like a complete shut off of opportunities, stuff is slowly creeping back. So it might not be it's like the level it was before. There's definitely, I think there's, there's hope at the end of the tunnel with it. How, how about you two? Does it feel different than it did this time last year? It kind of does feel different for me because last year I didn't know what's going to happen. Is a vaccine going to be out? Is a vaccine going to change everything? But this year, I think things are starting to look a bit better. Yeah, agree. Like completely. The medical improvements that we've done and such in such a fast way has really made us more hopeful, I think. If we were still looking for the vaccine and still getting vaccinated, we if we had still not been vaccinated for the most parts, we would be a lot more uncertain, I think. I think mm. that has completely eased a lot of people and slowly I, I see what you mean by things going back to pre-pandemic. Going back to the job market, if we could talk a little bit more about that and how that might have changed the ways we find jobs now, because everything has shifted into like online applications and all our mm-hmm. conversations and networking is online now. We wanted to like kind of pick your brain at it. Definitely seen quite a bit of change quite almost like quite seismic what has changed most about the job market is like you said then kind of online nature of it so it's 
all encompassing now whereas before you'd maybe just find jobs through being online or maybe you'd go to like physical events like the university hosts uh where you can meet employees physically obviously a lot of it now or pretty much 100 percent of it would be fair to say it's online and another interesting thing what we are seeing is since that kind of like move to online, a lot of kind of the opportunities um, that are available are kind of appearing in places where you might not think there is like a huge graduate labour market. So places like the northwest of England, they're seeing like rises of opportunities there. And also, good news for you guys, rises in Wales as well. And on the flip side of that, when normally graduates are attracted to London to sort of like wasps to jam sometimes, those opportunities have kind of shrunk in London. So sort of wider UK opportunities, really good less so kind of like London centric which is quite interesting really what are your tips for virtual interviews oh that's a good one love a good virtual interview so tips for it firstly I know you two would have had to have gone through virtual recruitment to get your jobs as hosts how did you find it I I found it actually okay I've gotten used to this by now like just having conversations online it felt Mm -hmm. more like a conversation with the interviewers as well it was nerve-wracking to start with because it was in my room so there's no separation of like professionalism or just chilling um so that was the hardest bit but generally I felt okay if it was like it was okay for me yeah but I don't want to be that dependent Mm -hmm. on the internet you know I was Ah, dependent on the connection so what if it shuts down what if it disconnects what am I going to do if it happens you know yeah I forgot actually I was like five minutes late to it because I couldn't access the teams my internet like slowly broke down I was like I emailed them prior I was like oh my god I think I might be a little late because of like so and so that's becoming a lot more accepted now it's like say it was a physical interview and you were late um and you were continuously late to interviews it's like oh and it's like excuse like maybe genuine but it's like oh my bus broke down or I got lost they're all excuses that you could avoid by better planning the internet's kind of out of our hands so that would lead me to my number one tip is have a dry run of the technology because that's an extra stress outside of you can do all the prep and stuff but you have no control over it so have a dry run even if it's like with a friend or something so get used to using whatever platform it is but I think a year in now of family zoom quizzes and teams and stuff we're all kind of sick to death of it and comfortable with it but have a go of it anyway because you get used to sort of like how you come across on it what's behind you and stuff and kind of have a backup plan as well would be another tip so have like your phone to hand because most interviews will send out like in, you know if it's a technology fail phone this number but also you could kind of like hotspot to your laptop and stuff and just say if you feel quite uncomfortable or nervous about it just say oh my internet's a little bit patchy if it drops out I will call you back straight away if that doesn't work I will give you a call and another one if you're living in kind of shared housing or anything just ask people if they can like stay off the internet for a little bit so you can like secure a really good connection it it might cost you like you know a chocolate bar or, or like something like that just to be like can you go outside or a coffee or something um so that would be like the, the kind of hardware version of it and i would say the other big thing technology aside online interviews are still interviews so it's about practicing your interview technique so if you can book a mock interview with your careers advisor we're reasonably good at helping people out as you would know but generally it's that kind of like making sure that you're familiar with your examples, you're kind of used to talking about yourself, and most importantly, make sure that you're answering the question. That's all you can do, and ultimately, just try your best.
Right. Um, moving forward into the future, we were wondering if you had any future predictions about the job market. Oh, oh, that's good. So I reckon it's all obviously I'd love to be able to say this is going to happen. This is going to happen. Look out for this stuff, because what we could do then is start up our own private recruitment company in that sector. And then I could retire by 40 and live on a Caribbean island. Um, but I think the best thing to do is maybe look at some like the emerging trends that we're seeing now and hoping they're moving forward. So how we can do that as well is like looking at, there hasn't been a pandemic for a while, so it's quite hard to kind of predict what's going to happen. The nearest thing we've got to it has been like the economic crash in 2008, where I was just, just in university, which is terrifying, but time has moved so quickly. But what we're seeing from that is like, even though some kind of the economy collapsed a little bit and maybe some roles kind of disappeared what we did see is like an, an emergence of new opportunities so it could be stuff that you guys were applying for in like two three years which we haven't even thought of yet back then it was much more kind of like digital stuff um online marketing that quite those kinds of areas but in general kind of i'd say trends to look out for and you kind of touched upon some of these already is sort of mobile and social media recruitment is going to be much like playing much more of a central role a lot of companies are really seeing the benefits to online and remote recruitment because obviously it's a lot cheaper. They don't have to book rooms out. They don't even have to have staff in the same building. Um, and also from a candidate point of view as well, it kind of eats up less time. So you don't have to travel like two hours somewhere and two hours back. And then, which is always like more demoralizing if you don't get the opportunity as well. So definitely seeing a rise of that. I think 89% of job seekers as well are now looking for roles online which i was quite or, or at least through their mobile phone so a lot more kind of applications and stuff going to be targeted to your mobile how that appears not really sure obviously linkedin's probably like the biggest one that's seen that was popular before seen a massive jump in the last 12 months i think there's over there's nearly like 900 million people on that platform now which is crazy so it's a real hive of opportunities and like growing your professional network but we're also seeing more kind of like targeted recruitment or at least advertising on other social media platforms as well like social media some um, instagram facebook some recruiters are even using tiktok now people are using that especially in like sort of creative feel so you may even come across this in your further job searches of giving like mini presentations and showing your creativity off through those kind of platforms maybe more of a thing and also leading to that then um which be really kind of annoying because we spend a lot of time talking and, and like working with students on cvs and loads of effort goes into them is we're seeing like an emergence of kind of like non-cv hiring as part of a recruitment process so i think that's just basically a way of what i said there being more creative some people actually um some firms are even asking for you to do podcasts so this is very handy for you, isn't it? So yeah, a lot more kind of like online stuff is going to be emerging in terms of recruitment, but also we're seeing a lot of companies, a lot of companies and graduate recruiters are identifying talent a lot earlier in their university journey. So it used to be sort of like towards maybe final years or the second half of second year, but we're seeing more and more companies now kind of doing stuff on campus, well, it'd be nice to do it on campus, but kind of interacting with earlier career students to kind of get them early, give them the experience they need so they can go straight into the workplace. So that's something to look out for. The other thing that I think is really interesting would be the introduction of kind of like AI and virtual reality. So really taking advantage of those kind of like online recruitment methods and it's removing that kind of like personal element, which personally I think is a bit 
rubbish because it's good to know when you're interviewing people or being interviewed by a company you can kind of really get a feel of like the culture and what people are like within that organization but at least in that kind of early kind of sift when competition is massive for stuff and companies are trying to whittle people down they're definitely going to be using more kind of like artificial intelligence options virtual reality is going to be more of a thing which i'm quite excited to see how that's going to work in principle and also like gamified recruitment so have you ever seen this if you've applied for like graduate schemes um, you have like sort of like what look like sort of like mobile games where you have to like pop a balloon um, or something like that. So they're trying to like gauge kind of have you got the attributes, see much more of people's kind of like values and personality before they get to that bit where you can kind of express your skills and experience, which sort of like for mass recruitment, you can almost see why people do it because it sort of whittles it down. But at the same time, it's kind of like, why have I got to jump through so many hoops? just to speak to someone the final point that i was going to make in kind of like trends at least for the upcoming year what we are seeing and i think this is almost like in a response to where people may have been limited to get an experience and also where companies need to kind of like rebuild their workforce in some places is seeing a diversity in degree subjects within recruitment so before anyway to run about 70 odd percent of opportunities didn't ask for like a specific degree Whereas what we're seeing now is employers are broadening that list of accepted degrees much, much more because what we're looking for is kind of like a broader perspective that you can bring to the workplace. So taking some from like, say, Jomec or history and maybe putting them in like, say, traditional, like kind of like business role, you can bring that kind of like you've got all the skills that they need. So being able to like form like a logical argument, really good research skills, being able to present as well. And obviously just by doing journalism and history from personal experience you're awesome there are like some really good examples of that but also we're looking at what kind of like transferable skills and attributes you can bring so it's less about kind of like your subject knowledge is great and it's fantastic and obviously you're learning something that you're interested in and you can apply it to certain roles but what it does do from a graduate's point of view as well it means that you've got a lot more options to explore so rather than doing and something that I do in careers appointments as well as I ask people kind of like what are they good at and what they enjoy doing in terms of sort of like skills and abilities and then rather than trying to sort of find opportunities that match subject interest to search kind of like lead it towards jobs that have those skills and then if you're doing something that you enjoy sort of skill wise it's much much more enjoyable and you'll find that you've got quite a, a big scope to explore as well. So if you could give the students one piece of advice, what would it be? Oh, I don't know why I'm getting stuck on that. I do that for a living. I can't remember who said it. It was probably either Arnold Schwarzenegger or Catherine Elmer with a cowbell. Don't be afraid to fail is the most important thing. So it's statistically impossible to kind of get every single job that you apply for or interview for. So kind of accept that sometimes you're not always going to kind of win effectively but it's about reprogramming your brain in terms of that not being afraid afraid to fail so my my big advice would be treat every opportunity as a learning opportunity so you don't necessarily fail that feedback is development points so every time you kind of don't quite have a successful application get some feedback on it that could be from obviously your very friendly neighborhood careers team or the employers themselves and then you'll find you'll get to a point where your applications are pretty good and pretty much every time you send one off you're kind of getting an invite to interview so the more you kind of go for stuff it's like exercising to use that kettlebell 
analogy cast probably going to kill me next time i see it um but the kind of the more you get used to that kind of sort of exercise the more comfortable you feel of it the easier it feels and the same really works with kind of applying for jobs you kind of nail it in the process in my opinion well thank you so much love those advices that's okay i was going to ask as you kind of the pandemic generation of students what would your advice so you're obviously you're like this you're in, you're into your second year of pandemic now so what would your advice be to kind of people who are starting out online either studying or looking for work because obviously you've got people who are just graduating this summer as well I think the most important thing is taking care of your mental health when you see that it's a burden on you just try to mm-hmm. leave it even yeah. Yeah, you do have to prioritize your mental health and your health in general, like more than anything ever. I think that's like yeah. the one thing we've learned collectively as like a global society, you know, we've seen so many people crash and burn, like try so yeah. hard and absolutely feel defeated. I think it's very important, even when you're applying to jobs or studying or just generally anything also it's quite important to make a distinction in your brain like you said to just close your laptops because if you're working from home you could work 24 hours every day and that's not how humans work you do need rest yeah exactly and you're not expected to either so it's what kind of we do in the careers team as well we had some like advice given to us at the start of the pandemic and it was kind of don't for obviously you've got to work a certain amount of time a day but don't necessarily think in hours and this is really good for job hunting as well. Another helpful tip is think in terms of outcomes. So have like a to-do list and try and as long as you've completed that for the day, so that could be in like your job hunting process or instead, as long as you've completed that, that should be enough for that day. And then we can start again tomorrow. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having this conversation with us. We actually loved having having you here. It was so enjoyable just talking to you. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks for having me.